0: Nature and our beautiful planet is the highest form of democracy. Democracy, where everything is equal. Everything has liberty, complete liberty and complete freedom. And everything is cooperating with everything else. Because everything on a deep level knows that I'm only a small part of a much bigger picture. And to maintain that big picture, I have to die. I produce my babies, then I age, and then I die. And then I leave my body here, and the living force that was within me can come back in another form.
1: Welcome to The Drew Perlman Show. Think of this podcast as the antidote to the fear, the noise, and the talking heads in the news. The show features an entertaining blend of ancient wisdom, empowering ideas, and cutting edge, healthy living science to optimize your health and your life. So let's dive in and get started. Today's guest is Dr. Natasha Campbell McBride. Dr. Natasha is a medical doctor with two postgraduate degrees, Master of Medical Science in Neurology and a Master of Medical Sciences Sciences in Human Nutrition. In 2004, she published her first book, Gut and Psychology Syndrome, Natural Treatment of Autism, ADHD, Dyslexia, Dyspraxia, Depression, and Schizophrenia. And this last year, she released her most recent book, Gut and Physiology Syndrome. Welcome to the show, Dr. Natasha.
0: I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for inviting me.
1: Yeah, it is, it is a pleasure. The la- I was telling Dr. Natasha the last time I saw her was at her beautiful farm a few years ago for a, a film that... I was working on and got kind of interrupted with the pandemic but um her farm is amazing and um dr natasha i don't know if you remember but to get to your house i had to take uh, my son and i and our cameraman we had to take several trains and um taxis and flew in that night and i and i came to your house and i was absolutely exhausted and you revived me with your eggs and your salmon and your GAPS approved diet. It brought me back to life, <laughs> <laughs> just so you know. <laughs> uh,
0: yes, we live in the middle of nowhere somewhere. It, it isn't as straightforward <laughs> <laughs> to, to get here.
1: Absolutely beautiful farm though. But um, so Dr. Natasha, here we are a couple years later in the middle of this pandemic. And you, know, you wrote a, a wonderful, blog post at the beginning of this whole thing where you said that very simply history shows that the biggest enemy of humanity is not a virus or a bacterium or any other microbe our biggest enemy is fear because fear will shut down our immune system and all kind of things maybe if natasha if you could speak a little bit about the fear going on in the world right now
0: absolutely well there is a, there is a good saying by uh, Metterling that a man or human is god afraid you know majority of people in this world unfortunately live in fear they spend their whole lives in fear people somehow so used to it to fear they even seek and search for something to fear on a daily basis (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they and they get it from the mainstream media from the governments from anybody and that's been going on from time immemorial there is some kind of, you know, need in many human beings to be afraid of something on a daily basis. You know, if it's not uh, a dinosaur chasing you, if it's not a shark, it's, it's something else. That is why horror movies and terror movies and dramas like that with something scary uh, are the most popular things that people watch and, and people are interested in. So, uh, and uh, that characteristic of many people is very easily manipulated and very easily used. It's very easy to use people through fear um, to manipulate them and to uh, make them obey and do what you want them to do. And uh, all tyrants through ages, through thousands of years knew this fact. Uh, There's one particularly um, telling fact from history that at the end of the Second World War, when the German Nazis were put through court, and the right hand of Hitler, Herring, was asked a question. you know, He, he, was, he was one of the most important generals in Hitler's entourage, and he was asked the question, how did you manage to get the whole of German nation, all of the German people who are not stupid, how did you manage them? to do all these atrocities that they have done. And his answer was very uh, profound. He said, easy, fear. You just make them afraid, and they will do any heinous thing you want them to do. And that is a formula that every tyrant, every um, dictatorship, every horrible regime in the world has followed. Keep the people afraid, and then they will be obedient, and they will do any appalling, cruel, heinous thing that they would normally cringe from, they would do it. And this is the formula that has been used in the last year.
1: Absolutely. So Natasha, I usually ask this question a little bit later in the interview, but if some, let's just say someone's listening to this right now and they are feeling afraid and they're feeling lonely and isolated, if they were with you, if they were at your farm with you, what might you tell them?
0: Fear is is a completely destructive emotion. It causes a storm of destructive hormones, neurotransmitters, and other chemicals in your body, all of which uh, dismantle your immune system dismantle your defenses and make you prone to diseases make you prone to illnesses and the thing is that fear is completely within our grasp all of our emotions you know we create them so we should be able to control them shouldn't we not the other way around the 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 tail should not whack the dog should it the dog should whack the tail (laughs) the tail So, uh, and at the moment what's happening, the tail is wagging the dog. The whole humanity of the world has been scared that there is some uh, virus. And uh, based on that, a global tyranny has been implemented. Global dictatorship has been implemented. And people went along with it. That is the most um, strange, bizarre thing that happened, that the whole humanity went along with it, obeyed it followed it and there are even uh, little tyrants waking up here and there because there is a tyrant in every human being. There is. There is a little Hitler in every human being and there is a little Mother Teresa in every human being. being. We're all capable of the best things and the worst things ever done in the world. And there are quite a few uh, little tyrants waking up in the world who start tyrannizing their own families, their own neighborhoods, and demanding that people wear masks, demanding that people sit at home, uh, demanding that people basically obey all the mainstream rules. If you look at scientists, if you you listen to real scientists, and there are hundreds of thousands of them around the world, and all of them are up in arms, they are forming associations, they are writing uh, profound documents they are trying to spread truthful information about the whole situation. But those powers, the tyranny that now is ruling the planet has control, complete control over the mainstream media. And that includes internet. All the mainstream channels are on the internet uh, are completely controlled. Your television, your radio, newspapers, Google, Facebook, YouTube, you know, all the major, major channels. So The real scientists, the real medics, the real information is being shut down and being censored all the time. People's blogs are shut down. People's interviews are removed, uh, deleted. And uh, so these real scientists and real doctors and real medics medics are deprived of a voice for the majority of humanity. And the only things that humanity hears is a continual, continual scaremongering, being poured at them, From the mainstream uh, channels why is all this scaremongering going on and the purpose of this um, so-called epidemic is uh, to put the whole humanity into fear because then people are easily controlled then people are capable of anything and will do anything when people are are, are scared like that it's like in in a circus you know the magician in order to do a magic trick the magician has to keep your attention on something, so you, you're looking there at that something that is actually irrelevant. But the real action is happening behind you, or happening elsewhere. But you have they have to keep your attention magnetized on this something, something else to distract you. And and that's what's going on. Uh, what was going on with this so-called pandemic? Many scientists doubt that there is a virus at all. But if there is a virus, then vast majority of real scientists, real doctors, truthful, honest um, professionals, and experts in this area, they all agree that the virus is not dangerous, and it certainly does not warrant global lockdowns, wearing of masks, sanitizing with poisonous, toxic chemicals, you know, applying that all over yourself. Now, apparently, they're spraying whole airplanes with uh, toxic chemicals, and people become seriously ill after they fly on the plane. So flying now is dangerous. And uh, these this, uh, mainstream uh, bodies that have launched this whole campaign all over the planet uh, now are now releasing uh, biological agents which they called a vaccine, which according to strict rules and strict definitions of what vaccine is, is not a vaccine. These are not vaccines that people are injecting themselves with now. And all these scared people are now lining up um, to doctor's surgeries and uh, vaccinating, uh, getting injected. It is a biological agent. It does not behave like a vaccine. It is not a vaccine. And uh, it isn't clear exactly what the purpose of it is because the ingredient lists do not list all the ingredients. Um, and uh, from what we hear from some experts, from what we understand from some experts, it's downright sinister. And it has not been tested. It has been rushed to the market in record times. And uh, we don't even know what's in it. And we don't know what the real purpose of it is because this is not a vaccine. And that's what's happening. When a person is scared, the person can be coaxed to do anything, to give up anything to give away most precious things that they have in life, such as your freedom, your democracy, your liberties. And that is exactly what's been taken away from people, from this scared population of the planet. The liberties are gone. The human rights are being degraded, left, right, and center. We are just losing our human rights. Democracy is gone. It's completely non-existent. Um, Right to speak, you know, the, the, the freedom of speech is gone. People are being censored everywhere. These are far more important than any virus, than any infection, than anything at all. That's what fear does to people. And indeed, fear predisposes people to illnesses. Statistics show from uh, this so-called COVID-19 virus, statistics show that the death rate happens at exactly the same age as the normal age of death was for many years in the Western countries, 82 years of age. So people who have died, were ready to die anyway. That That is the first point. The second point, these statistics are flawed and many of them are fraudulent. We now have a joke amongst the medical community community, that people do not die from heart disease anymore, from strokes, heart attacks, cancer, accidents, car accidents, or anything else. There are no other diagnoses that exist anymore as a cause of death. The only cause of death that exists is COVID because people are diagnosed as if they died from COVID when they had a car accident or they had a stroke or they had a heart attack or they're dying from cancer, or something else happens to them. So the statistics that the mainstream is giving you of death from this so-called virus, which we don't even know if it exists, and if it does exist, it's a a feeble virus that doesn't really cause much damage at all. The statistics are fraudulent. Absolutely fraudulent. You cannot cannot trust any of these uh, uh, numbers that are given to people. The testing for this virus is completely fraudulent. There is not one test in the world that is reliable. That is the truth, and that is what thousands of scientists all over the world are trying to tell people. The test that the governments are using is fraudulent. It does not. It's completely inappropriate. It cannot be used to diagnose any infectious disease, particularly a viral disease. And yet the governments are using it. So the story is that some kind of totalitarian regime is coming to power in the world and uh, all our Western governments are puppets. They're following orders. And we don't know who exactly is in charge, what exactly is happening. And as long as people are sitting in fear in their houses and waiting for something good to come from above, nothing good can come from above. Mm. All good things in the world come from grassroots. Every good thing. So what people need to do is to start thinking for themselves. And the good thing that happened in the last year, you know, every every cloud has a silver lining, as they say. So the silver lining is that people lost the trust uh, into authorities. People do not trust their governments anymore. They do not trust authorities anymore. They do not trust experts anymore. Not many, no, not all people, I suppose, some people continue trusting, uh, but people who are informed, that trust has been completely shattered this last year. And perhaps that's a
1: good news. Hmm. N- Natasha, aside from all of the fear, there's also there there also does seem to be a deep level of ignorance about, you know, microbiology and microbes in general, um, which I've learned a ton from your books and, and your your teachings. Um, But I mean, for the last century, you know, science believed that the human body was mostly sterile. And now we know that it's teeming with trillions and trillions of microbes and that these microbes are, you know, they live in synergistically and they change their shape and their form. Natasha, I'm thinking that most people aren't familiar with the idea of pleomorphism as, as it relates to microbes. And I was hoping you could maybe talk a little bit about that
0: absolutely well your body the human body is a microbial community it is an ecosystem and not only it is teeming with microbes it is of microbial origin to start with evolutionary biology is telling us that the bodies of larger animals in the world appeared billions of years ago from microbes coming together and this microbe says to, to that microbe, I can do this for you. The other microbe says, I can do that for you. Because nature works on cooperation. And that comes to another fundamental beliefs in the in the humanity, in the uh, Western humanity, in the in, in the industrialized world. And that's a belief that we live in a world of some, uh, survival of the fittest. That has been drummed into us from school, with our school programs. Survival of the fittest, that everything in nature eats each other and uh, kills each other and, and, uh, you know, we're in danger all the time. And that's, again, to scare you. So you can be obedient and you can become an obedient citizen and you're easily manipulated and easily ruled. So that's not the truth. The truth is that nature thrives on cooperation. It isn't survival of the fittest at all. It's cooperation. All animals, all creatures, and not only uh, animals and creatures, um, the whole environment is a pattern, and everything in it is playing a role. Everything is cooperating with the whole environment, with the whole pattern. That's how nature works, and that's how human body appeared on the planet. You know, this microbe and that microbe got together and uh, decided to cooperate. That I can do this, and I can do that, and through billions of years. These microbes have changed and they specialized. Some became brain cells, others become heart cells, others become your blood cells, and so on. But they have never forgotten who they are. And they have an ability to revert back to their original microbial shape and form. So you are made of microbes and you are full of microbes. The basis of every microbial community in nature are fungi. They are bigger, they're about 100 times bigger than bacteria. And then there's viruses which are even smaller than bacteria. And then there are large protozoa, which are these great big elephants, you know, like elephants, animals. They're really animals uh, that move about. And uh, then there are worms and flukes and archaea and all kinds of creatures. All kinds of creatures. And every microbial community in nature, if it is natural, is balanced. It's harmonious. It has all the elements in it. Every little creature is vital and important. There is nobody more important in that microbial community than uh, the next one. So nature thrives on real democracy. When there isn't somebody who says, I'm better than you are, or I'm more important than you are, everybody's equally important, equally precious, and equally valuable. And that's the only way to exist in nature. That's the only way to uh, exist because this planet belongs to microbes. It doesn't belong to us humans. It belongs to microbes. They outnumber us by, I don't know what, uh, what you know, uh, number um, it, it, scientists uh, estimate, but they may not get it right. So, and microbes have a free market of genetics. They constantly excrete genes into the environment, and they pick up genes of other microbes. They exchange genetics all the time. And recent research into microbiome, into human microbiome, that's what your microbial community is called with a scientific name, microbiome, and recent research into it found that actually this exchange goes on with our human cells too. Because remember, your human cells are microbes that descended from microbes. They just changed microbes. Specialized microbes, so our cells pick up microbial genetics from the environment inside your body as well, and adjust and adapt. So there is a free market of genetics, and what this means that any microbe can become any other microbe. It's a fascinating concept, and it has been around and it has been researched for quite a long time now, starting from um, Bichamp, a, a fantastic biologist in France in the 1800s who actually worked at the same time as Pasteur, as Louis Pasteur. Louis Pasteur was the one that created this fearful theory, which is called the germ theory. Pasteur, and Pasteur apparently wasn't a very honest individual. He was quite wily. He has stolen a lot of research from other people. And uh, he was in contact with the... Uh, um, just appearing pharmaceutical industry on the planet with the commercial rich people. And these rich people were looking for some breakthrough in science that they could make money on. And uh, Louis Pasteur gave it to them because he wanted money and he got a cut and he has stolen research from others. He manipulated all of it and uh, he created the germ theory, which states that the world is full of nasty microbes and we can't see them, these nasty little things that are after us all the time, we're in danger. So again, fear, 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 be scared, be scared, be scared. And uh, we need to control them and we need to kill them and so on. And based on that, that theory was absolutely perfect for the pharmaceutical industry because it picked up that theory and ran with it and started producing antiseptics and uh, chemicals to kill microbes and then antibiotics came onto the market And then agricultural chemicals came onto the market. Do you know that majority of agricultural chemicals are broad spectrum antibiotics in their nature? Mm. And because everything in the supermarkets where you buy your food come from the activities of the industrial agriculture, every bite of everything you buy is full of antibiotics. Modern population in the Western world is eating antibiotics for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. What these antibiotics do There's your balanced microbial community, harmonious, where every little microbe is essential. Essential part of the whole. Absolutely essential. Antibiotics come in and they wipe out a portion of it. Kill. And the balance is gone. The harmony is gone. The microbes that used to be controlled by these other microbes get out of control, overgrow, and do what they do. In their own way and that is not compatible with a healthy human body that causes disorder disharmony of you in your whole body and you start getting disease and then you know you're, you're afraid of microbes again and you take more antibiotics and you go to doctors for antibiotics um and and, and so it's so it spirals one of the most Poisonous and toxic antibiotics that our industrial agriculture uses is called glyphosate. And that is the herbicide browned up, which people spray on the poor, poor, unfortunate dandelions in their gardens, on their lawns. And uh, it's one of the most used chemicals. It came out in the 90s. When glyphosate was first discovered, it was patented as a broad spectrum antibiotic. And now the farmers are spraying it right before harvesting the crops because it desiccates the crop, makes it dry and easier to harvest. So your bread is full of glyphosate. Everything made out of grains, everything made out of plants, everything's made full of glyphosate. And this glyphosate in its biochemical structure is very similar to uh, uh, an amino acid glycine which replaces that amino acid in your bodily structure. Large percent of your body is made out of a protein called collagen. That's the elastic protein that holds your body together. Three-quarters of your protein in the body is collagen. Collagen is very rich in this amino acid glycine. Glyphosate has an ability to push that amino acid out of collagen and replace it. It settles in your collagen, in the very structure of your body. The skeleton of your bones, the skeleton of your muscles, the the strong of your organs, all your ligaments, all your joints, all your fascias, you know, all the tough structures that hold you together, your blood vessels, the shapes that your nerves go through, are made out of collagen. They get contaminated by glyphosate. And that triggers autoimmune disease. Because your uh, immune system is never misguided. It knows what it's doing. When it launches autoimmunity, it does it to clean you up. It deals with contaminated, dirty tissues in your body. Our mainstream medicine has been instructed. Our mainstream doctors are not allowed to know the root causes of chronic diseases because um, they belong to a petroleum-based medical industry. Only petroleum-based drugs and methods of treatment are allowed because doctors are sales force for that medical industry for that part of which is pharmaceutical industry, oil industry, food industry, agricultural industry, all of these industries. Um, this multi-trillion global corporations which have fingers in every pie and medicine is petroleum-based medicine, modern uh, mainstream medicine. That is why because they, they, their purpose is to sell petroleum-based drugs, diet, and herb and, and homeopathy and herbs and acupuncture and stress reduction and all other natural methods of treatment have been pronounced unscientific and quackery and are excluded from the curriculum of, of, of medical schools. Because these medical schools are paid for and ruled by petroleum industry. Hmm. That has happened in the at the beginning of the 20th century, because before then. Doctors used diet and used herbs and used natural methods for healing their patients. But then humanity discovered oil and discovered, started uh, discovering all the many uses for for crude oil. And they discovered that they can make drugs out of it. And it is the drug barons, the the, uh, petroleum barons, that have set up uh, American Medical Association, which was given enormous amounts of money which then was ordered to rewrite curriculums of medical schools. Pharmaceutical industry was being developed at the same time to start producing drugs out of petroleum. And uh, the whole thing was just wrapped up nicely. Mm. And diet, herbs, and other methods of natural treatments were excluded from medicine and pronounced uh, unscientific and quackery. And only petroleum-based things were allowed. So that—that that, that, is, that is what's happening. And it's thanks to this petroleum-based medicine and petroleum-based agriculture and petroleum-based pharmaceutical industry and petroleum-based food industry that our microbiomes in our bodies are decimated. Vast majority of people in industrialized world uh, have damaged microbiome. Because they've been taking in and continue taking in antibiotics, chemicals which kill microbes. Microbes are our friends. Mm. Every one of them. They're our friends. And I will tell you another thing. Vast majority of infections and illnesses where microbes are involved do not come from outside into your body. They arise from within. Your own microbes in your body adjust to the environment that you've created in your body. By eating all these antibiotics, by eating processed foods, by taking drugs, um, and by having negative emotions and fear in particular. Fear has spreads throughout your body and commands your body to change your pH, your electrolyte balance, your hormonal balance, your neurotransmitter balance, all the balances and checks in your body. The whole environment in your body changes when you go into fear mode. And that changes your microbiome. Certain microbes activate, and you get an infection. And that infection did not come from the outside. It arose within your body. Because coming back to pleomorphism, as you asked, Drew, what is pleomorphism? Pleomorphism is an ability of a microbe to change into any other microbe. And they have that ability. That was observed by many, many uh, renowned scientists and researchers for the last almost 200 years what they've observed, that a bacterium can change into a protozoa, then that protozoa, protozoa usually are quite large little little creatures, um, and they have flagella, they have little spindly legs, and they move uh, with the use of those legs in the body. They're just like a merba. Amoeba uh, is a good example of that, which you probably all have seen at school when you were studying biology. It's a little creature with little legs. And it swims in the water with those legs. So then at certain, at certain point, these amoeba-like creatures lose their legs and turn into a fungus. Virus can turn into a bacterium. Bacterium can turn into a fungus. Fungus can then revert back to bacterium. That's what the microbial world is. That is why microbiologists who actually accepted this concept of uh, pleomorphism Now, are scratching their heads and realizing that all these individual varieties of microbes that they have identified and described in their textbooks and photographed and everything actually are all one creature, which changes and evolves and can turn into this or that or whatever it wants. And the commanding force that makes them to change is the environment that they live in, the supply of food, the temperature. The um, supply of minerals, the electrolytes, the pH, and those hormones and those neurotransmitters, and so on. So, by changing your environment in your body, you are creating pleomorphic forms of microbes, which can be far more dangerous than other forms, of, than, than ordinary forms. Because, make no mistake, every microbe in the world can cause disease if it's out of balance with all the other microbes and out of balance with you, with all the cells in your body. So we're coming back. Health is harmony. Mm. Health is harmony. And healthy nature, any healthy natural environment is harmony. Where every creature, from the tiniest virus to the big dolphin or a big whale, every creature is vital and important and beautiful and an important member of the community. And they all cooperate with each other. Even when one creature eats another creature, that is a cooperation. It's not a survival of the of the fittest. Mm. it's a, It's cooperation because they know that to maintain the whole, things have to die. You can't allow everybody to live and live and live forever. <laughs> that would decimate the environment, wouldn't it? Mm. In order to have a balance, things have to die, so other things can be born and they can take place, so there is place for other creatures to continue maintaining themselves. And that is what, uh, for for the the survival and the harmony of the whole, individuals have to die. And they have a short life, and uh, they go through their life, and they accomplish what they accomplish. And we human beings are part of a bigger picture, the same bigger picture. When we are conceived, a program goes into our bodies. A hormonally driven program, where you evolve, then you get born as a baby, then you grow up as a child, then you become sexually mature in order to produce children, to procreate, you procreate, you have children, and then you start aging, and eventually that program shuts you down, and you die. So human life is just as life of any microbe, or life of any animal, or fish, or insect, or plant. Has its own program, we have to be born and we have to die. And uh, in order to maintain the whole, in order to maintain the balance and the harmony in the world.
1: Absolutely. You know, n- Natasha, years ago, um, I guess almost n- now a decade, I had the opportunity and the, the honor to interview Charlotte Gerson. And when I talked with her, she was, I think she was in her 80s at the time. Um, but she, she made the point that study nature, its laws will keep you well. And that was something that, that's just stood out in my mind, and I know it resonates with your work as well. Um, Natasha, why is Mother Nature such good medicine for us?
0: Because our bodies are part of it. We are part and parcel of Mother Nature. You are not separate from your environment. People, because, because uh, from our ch- when we are born as babies, we know that we are part of the whole. We can't even identify where is me and where is not me. But then as we start growing, adults around us, other people around us give us ideas and tell us things and uh, shape our thinking and shape our perception of this world. And uh, we start perceiving ourselves as something separate, little me surrounded by all these other people and animals and the house and whatever else around you. So there's me and there is the environment. And from that separation, when people think that they are separate and they're they're separate individuals, uh, this idea was born of survival of the fittest, and that there is me and there is the environment, and the environment is against me, and I must manipulate the environment to survive. And people it's gone it's gone to such an extreme now, this idea, this most fundamental belief in the human in the human beings, it's gone to such an extreme now that people think that they can destroy this planet. And yet somehow survive themselves. That is immensely naive. It's just laughable. It's just it's just completely laughable. Mm-hmm. They think that okay, we'll destroy this planet, then so let's 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 get on with building rockets uh, so we can fly through Mars and live on Mars. Or well, let's find another planet to destroy. That's not going to work. If we destroy this planet, we destroy ourselves. Because we are part of this planet, we are part of the whole cooperation of the pattern of this planet of the way this planet works and lives we are just like one of those microbes in a balanced harmonious microbial community if the balance is gone we are gone the whole thing is gone every little thing every little last thing is gone you cannot survive and don't believe that uh, the clever technocrats with their clever technocratic ideas are going to save you. <laughs> <laughs> They're not. You know, now, now they are uh, they've been playing with genetically modified foods, uh, thinking that that will feed the humanity. Uh, and these foods are just getting making humanity sick, making humanity infertile unable to produce healthy children, healthy offspring. So humanity is dying out. And that is happening in the industrialized uh, world at the moment. It's particularly the at the forefront of this self destruction are English speaking countries. It's it's America, it's Britain, Australia, Canada. Why English speaking countries? Because it's the English speaking countries, the English, that are at the forefront of this mechanistic view of the world and mechanistic development, this this technological development. These technologists, these technocrats, really believe that there is no difference between life on Earth, living things on Earth, and their machines. They're calling the, the new uh, machines that they're creating, uh, artificial intelligence, they're calling them a new uh, form of life on the planet.
1: <laughs>
0: it's, it's it's amazing. Just Just something's missing in their brains. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or in their hearts. I think it's the hearts that are shut down. Yeah. The brains are, you know, overly developed, but the hearts are shut down. So they don't realize that there is a difference between a living thing, a living, breathing, procreating, loving, feeling, emotional, you know, vibrating form of life on the planet, and a machine. All machines, all man-made creations, all dead things on the planet are subject to a universal law called entropy. We've known about this law for quite a long time in physics. Entropy—it's a law of destruction that turns rocks into sand, that turns uh, you know everything into dust, and turns every man-made creation into a, a pile of rubble that goes to the to the to the dump. You know, it's just thrown away or recycled or, or whatever. No matter how beautiful and shiny your car is when it leaves the factory, as soon as it leaves the factory, it starts breaking up. Mm-hmm. things start falling off you have to constantly repair it you have to constantly um, take it to the mechanics you know and replace this and replace that and fix this and fix that and eventually the car becomes just too old that is entropy the same with your clothes you know you buy a beautiful new piece of clothes as soon as you start wearing after the first wash it's nowhere near as shiny and beautiful anymore and and eventually it turns into a rag all our furniture, our houses, our cities, our streets, our um, ships and trains, and everything else we create is subject to entropy, to the universal force of destruction. Hmm. The only exception to this universal force of destruction in this world are living things insects, animals, plants, microbes, humans, you know, everything that is alive. Entropy cannot enter these things. It's out. It's not allowed in. It tries, but it's not allowed in. And What happens? There there is a group of scientists that have been researching death. In order to understand life, you have to research death. You have to understand what death is. And what they were trying to figure out, what happens at the moment of death? Just a second before death, this body that's in front of you, let's say it's a human body, in front of you is still breathing, the heart is beating, the nails are growing, the, the body is warm, and uh, entropy is out. It's not allowed in. The second, after the moment of the death, that body is still warm, the nails are still growing, the hair is still growing, the person looks exactly the same, but entropy moved in. Just right that very second when the person dies, entropy moves in and the body starts decaying. And depending on, the, on uh, what temperature it's around, you know, the body can decay within days, can fall apart within days, literally. And turn into dust, from dust to dust. It turn into that soup of, of uh, elemental materials that other life forms can build their bodies from. Hmm. So what happens at the moment of death? What is it? What was living inside that alive body that was keeping entropy out? And that force that lived in there left at the moment of death. It came into this planet, into this realm. It built a body for itself. It lived in this body. It enjoyed the whole journey. It went through the whole hormonal program of being a baby, then being a child, producing your own children, then aging and dying eventually. Uh, And it leaves. And as it created the body for you from the materials of this planet, it left all these materials here to go back to the pool of materials so other life forms can use it. There is an an immense wisdom and beauty in this whole process. So death is just as important as birth. It's like entry and exit. And what was in the living body that kept entropy out? Because entropy is the rule is the law of this environment. It's the living force. Through ages, people call it different things. Uh, Some people call it soul. Some people call it spirit. Other people call it God. Um, It depends on what your beliefs are, what what you want to subscribe to. But there is a living force. There is something in the body. But you see, our mainstream science is just as controlled as our mainstream medicine and mainstream pharmaceutical industry and food industry and agricultural industry and our governments, it's all controlled by by those uh, who love power and by those who hold power in this world. Hmm. And mainstream science is not allowed to even utter the word life force. If you dare to mention such a word, you'll be stoned by your own (laughs) colleagues. You will never get any grants. You will never get any respect. You'll be basically um, thrown out of scientific community. It's it's an unspoken rule. You know, it's like a, a prejudice, an unspoken rule. You'll be called a vitalist and promptly dismissed as a vitalist. But we need to research it. Because as long as our science labors under the delusion that we are machines, And there is no difference between the machines that they make in the factory and us and our bodies. As long as they really, really believed, and they really believe that. You know, they really believe that. As long as they continue under that delusion that there is only this material, physical world, and there's no other dimension to it, our science will always be lame, and it will never get to the truth. That is why we have technologies, and people confuse technologies with sciences. Technologies which provided us with mobile phones and our cars and trains and planes and computers and also wonderful and amazing they deal with dead things. They, they understand how that works and they provided us with a lot of comforts and a lot of, um, you know, comfortable things and comfortable gadgets to play with. Um, but this this is technology. The science which deals with living objects, biology, medicine, zoology physiology, and so on. They try to study living objects. They try to do that using the same rules and the same uh, physical ideas and laws as technology does. That is why all of this destruction that is going on the planet is fully scientific, completely backed by science. The the agriculture, industrial agriculture, which is destroying this planet, it is the number one force that destroys this planet uh, is fully scientific, completely backed by sciences. Because our sciences are stuffed by people who are forced to believe that the world is full of dead machines, that there is no difference between living things and dead things. And that is a major, major flaw. There is a small group of rebel scientists in the world who um, were thrown out from the scientific community, but they didn't care and they they continue researching that living force. And there are some fascinating facts that are coming out, some fascinating books and research that they've already found. We have to research it in order to understand who we are and, and and what our planet is and what nature is and how everything works. And the more we research it, the more we become that nature and our beautiful planet is the highest form of democracy. Democracy, where everything is equal. Everything has liberty, complete liberty, and complete freedom. And everything is cooperating with everything else. Because everything on a deep level knows that I'm only a small part of a much bigger picture. And to maintain that big picture, I have to die. Mm. I produce my babies, then I age, and then I die. And then I leave my body here and the living force that was within me can come back in another form. Mm. We need to research that because there are many, many ideas. Obviously, the Eastern philosophies have their own ideas. Western religions have their own ideas. Western religions are really um, political parties that have been designed to control large masses of population. Mm. The Judaism and the Muslim and Christian religions, monotheistic religions, uh, where Eastern philosophies are far more ancient and far more democratic, they are not religions, they are more philosophies uh, than, than, than religions. And uh, those who study those philosophies bring us a lot of very interesting knowledge, uh, ancient knowledge, which agrees with these rebel scientists who are trying to research the living force and what exactly is inside us, what exactly is behind life on Earth.
1: Beautiful. Natasha, final question. Uh, I ask this one to everybody. If you had the opportunity to travel back in time, say 50 years or so, what words of wisdom would your current self share with your younger self?
0: I would say that lots of new technologies will come in and not to be carried away with these technologies because they are designed to enslave you. They're designed to control you and to turn you into an obedient slave. They are designed by those who want to rule the world for people who are tyrants in their nature. Be careful with those and preserve what you have. Because if you think about it, before the Second World War, the whole planet was organic. Just think about that. The whole planet was organic. There was no other food. There was just food, and it was clean, and it was grown on healthy, living soil, and it had a full complement of nutrients. So it was enough to eat what you were eating and sustain yourself and be healthy on that food. And if you look at the old Hollywood films, um, you know from the from the fifties and 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 so on, you will see just how more vibrant and healthy the actors are than the actors who are playing today <laughs> in, 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 in Hollywood films. People were different. They were born uh, to healthy parents who had healthy gut flora, healthy microbiome, because parents pass their microbiome to their babies at the moment of birth. The mother starts passing it before birth, during the, the fetal development in, in for, for nine months. She She passes her microbiome to the baby. And now the parents have very damaged microbiome very sick, sickly microbiome, and that's what they pass into their babies. So their babies start in life with a, a sick microbiome, sick microbial community. Of course, they can't be healthy. Of course, they're suffering from learning disabilities, analogies, allergies, and asthma, and eczema, and diabetes type 1, and mental illnesses, and all sorts of uh, physical illnesses. There are hardly any healthy children. Infertility is a huge problem. And it is accelerating. It's, it's, it's absolutely snowballing, infertility. Many young people today in their 20s who haven't tried to have children yet are going to have a nasty surprise when they do try. They will not be able to conceive because of technologies. We now know we have uh, sufficient uh, data, up to a 1,000 scientific studies to show that mobile phones cause infertility. And all our young people are, are, are carrying them in their jeans pockets. Right there, next to their testicles and next to their ovaries. Quite a few scientific studies which were conducted in 2018 and 19, have shown that volunteers, healthy young males who consider themselves to be healthy uh, in their 20s and early 30s, who haven't tried to have children yet, have no sperm count whatsoever. Almost 80% of them, 80-85%. So when they do try to start a family, they're going to have a nasty surprise. These young people who consider themselves to be perfectly healthy. And the mobile phones, they all have been, gr- they've grown up with these mobile phones, uh, carrying them in their pockets, and that's what's happening. Number one thing that the mobile phones cause are brain cancers. That's been proven solidly. That's a solid, solid fact. The second, um, after that, is thyroid cancer. The next one is infertility, and the next one is heart rhythm abnormalities. We have an epidemic of atrial fibrillation, and it's now starting in people in the 30s. Used to be uh, reserved for elderly only. Now very young people are getting atrial fibrillation. And it's likely to be mobile phones because your body works on electricity. It's an electromagnetic being. It has electromagnetic fields within it. And this Wi-Fi and these mobile phones, they rudely interfere in that electromagnetic field. And health can only exist in what nature has put in there. God has put in there over billions of years. Our scientists have tinkered in their laboratories for a few decades only. What do they know compared to nature, which spent billions of years designing your body? And we are rudely interfering in that fine, fine design through our modern technologies. Be careful with technologies. That's what I would say to people uh, decades ago.
1: So, Natasha, we need to turn the ship around right away. <laughs> it sounds like, I mean, it's. Would you say it's? I mean, it's not too late, right? I mean, I mean, but we have to we have to change things around. Right what away. did?
0: Um, yes. What did Einstein say? That what's the what's the the um, the sign of insanity? doing the same thing and expecting a difficult, different result. Right. Right? That's insanity. That was his definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. These modern technologies that this clever technocrat has have, have provided us with caused all our diseases and all our suffering. They are the cause of it. And now they're saying to us that with their technology, new technologies that they're going to create, they're going to fix all these problems. <laughs> That's the sign of insanity.
1: Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Natasha, if people want to learn more about you, your your new book, all of your books, your work, where, where should they go to find you?
0: Um, online, all my books are sold on, on uh, online. Uh, my website is gaps.me. Gaps, I have four books that are for sale. My first one is Gut and Psychology Syndrome which will provide you with a GAPS nutritional protocol to heal any mental illness and any learning disability. That is the protocol to go to if you want to heal from mental illness, any kind of mental problems. My second GAPS book called Gut and Physiology Syndrome, which came out last year, this is my latest uh, book, and that book focuses on the rest of the body. So the first GAPS book, Gut and Psychology, focuses on the brain only, The second one covers the rest of the body. All autoimmune illnesses, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, ME, allergies, hormonal problems, neurological disease, chronic cystitis, psoriasis, skin problems, any chronic illness. All diseases begin in the gut. All of these conditions, from my point of view, are gaps. Gut and physiology syndrome. Please read that book to understand how to address the root cause of your chronic illness how to get rid of it, in other words. Our mainstream medicine has no idea what are the root causes of chronic diseases. Mainstream doctors are simply not allowed to know it because they are owned by petroleum industry, by by medical industry, which is petroleum-based. They are owned. So certain information is withheld from them. They're not allowed to know it because they have to sell drugs. That's their purpose. They're a sales force for pharmaceutical industry. But that knowledge exists outside the mainstream medicine. So when you have a chronic disease, a mainstream doctor probably not the right person for you to go to. Change your diet, use herbs, use natural methods. Only nature has the answers, the true answers for recovery from your chronic disease. Any disease can be cured, including cancer. All of them, even uh, genetic conditions such as Down syndrome. I have many Down syndrome patients who become well and healthy physically and can function on a much higher level mentally. They become happy, they are well. Of course, the the disorder doesn't disappear because it's a genetic condition, but they can study, they can go to university, they can even work, they can hold a job. They have a a, a full life, these people. They, They can function at the top of their ability, even with genetic conditions. So I don't believe in hopeless situations. The other two books that I've written, part and parcel of the GAPS diet that has been around now for more than 20 years, part and parcel of it is eating animal fats. It is high on animal fats because animal fats are essential for the human beings to eat. They are the only fats that are appropriate for our human physiology. Beef fat, lamb fat, pork fat, uh, goose fat, duck fat, ghee, butter, cream. All of these things. And of course, everybody were asking me the same question about heart disease and cholesterol. So I had to to write a book about it, which I call Put Your Heart in Your Mouth, what really causes heart disease and what we can do to prevent and even reverse it. It's not a big book, and all of my books are fully referenced. So please read that book if you are concerned about heart disease and concerned about cholesterol. Understand where these ideas come from and what the truth is around the whole thing. And then I have a, a even smaller book called Vegetarianism Explained. I was getting all these anorexic girls and bipolar young people and people with severe autoimmune illnesses and other physical and mental conditions who became ill because of vegetarianism. And that spurred an intense study into the, the whole thing. And uh, this book is the result of that study where I describe how the human body works, what role animal foods play in the human body and what role plants play in the human body. Please read that book to understand this. As far as I know, uh, there is no other source of information in this world who will give you this clear uh, information. The role of animal foods and the role of plant foods. We live in a world of nutritional misinformation and propaganda, which is very clever, very manipulative, and very powerful, and very well-funded, which comes from the mainstream uh, global corporations, which have a finger in every pie. Because they make majority of their profits come from growing plants. They want the whole planet to become vegan. That is within their commercial interests. Propaganda for veganism and vegetarians comes from them. They control Western governments. So the governments channel their propaganda to the population through the medical profession and through the mainstream uh, media channels. So so the whole world now is being increasingly uh, told and told and told again that red meat is bad for you, animal fat is bad for you, don't eat any animal food. We should all be vegans, we should all be vegetarians that by being vegetarians or vegans, we will be healthy and we'll save the planet and we are kind to animals. All of these things are lies. The truth is just the opposite. Please read this book to understand what the true situation is and what you're doing to yourself if you take take this plant-based lifestyle as your lifestyle.
1: Natasha, thank you so much. I can hear your roosters calling you, um, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time.
0: That's a pleasure. And thank you for your invitation and thank you for your work.
1: Thank you for listening to the Drew Perlman Show. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. In the words of Mark Twain, 20 years from now, you will be more disappointed by the things you didn't do than the things you did do. So throw off the bow lines, sail away from the safe harbor and catch the trade winds in your sails. Explore, dream, Discover and stay well, everyone.